You are listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org. Last July, I had attended a conference put on by the family leader down in Des Moines. And they bring in a variety of speakers on a variety of topics. And this past July, they had a gentleman that uh, came from Florida. And he is an OBGYN doctor who has delivered thousands of of babies. And he came and uh, just spoke on the whole issue of... uh, the sanctity of life, uh, and why he believes that life is worth fighting for, and especially the life of the unborn. And the family leader had recorded this particular session, and then they made that available to uh, anyone and everyone, and their hope was was that pastors would maybe take the opportunity and to be able to show that uh, to their congregations because they really believed, and I believe uh, with them, that this was a very, very powerful message that we felt uh, the church needed uh, to see. And so, again, with this being the uh, Sanctity of Life Sunday, I couldn't think of a better Sunday uh, to do that. And so this morning, um, been here for going on 20 years, I've never um, used the sermon time to show a video. Um, that, that's how important I think this is that you see this this morning. Uh, so that's what we're going to do in uh, place of me preaching this morning is I wanted you to see this uh, video. And I, I just pray that it will impact you the way it did those who were there at the conference. And I believe those who have seen this video. I showed this a couple of months ago at the men's breakfast, and several of the men uh, even commented there, boy, we really need to show this in church some Sunday morning. It was really that uh, impactful. So I wanna just invite you this morning to direct your attention uh, to the video screens, and we're just gonna watch um, a a video that was uh, done this past July um, at the Family Leader Conference uh, in Des Moines. This guy is amazing. This next speaker I'm going to bring up. So amazing that at this leadership summit, we are taping his message. Well, we're taping all the messages, but we're specifically taping his message. We're going to dissect. We're going to get out to pastors. We're going to get out to churches. We're going to get out to you guys because this is the sanctity of human life message. I mean, we're all thrilled about Roe v. Wade being overturned. Are we not? But that doesn't end abortions. And what this guy's gonna share is the science of it. He's a pro-life doctor out of Florida, again, who's having dynamic impact across the country. But when I started watching that with Darla at Colorado Springs, I knew I was in trouble too, but I thought, I need to get him to the leadership summit. And so he and his wife and their two daughters, they're here today. You will wanna take this in and you'll want to share it with anybody and it really backs up god creates it nature reveals it and good science always backs up god's creation science is not out of conflict when it's good science with god's creation please do me a favor and welcome america's pro-life doctor dr bill lyle 
Thank you, Bob, very much. Well, good morning. It is an honor to be here. And yes, this is the first Family Leadership Summit ever where Roe versus Wade is no longer the law of the land. We can celebrate that. But my name is uh, Bill Lyle. I practice obstetrics and gynecology, and I love what I do, ushering new life into the world. And we have a ministry called ProLifeDoc.org, and I love to teach, and it is an honor to teach. I was recently teaching over at the University of Florida College of Medicine, and we were talking about patients' rights. And we were discussing when patients have rights, we need to provide them with care. When it comes to patients' rights, we treat babies as patients, we treat adults as patients, but what we need to teach is all of us have rights and we all are patients. We asked the students at the University of Florida College of Medicine, if I have a patient in my office that needs a blood transfusion or they will die. But then I realized they were not born in the United States. Do I have a moral and legal obligation to provide them with access to the blood transfusion, which will save their lives? And they all said, yeah. I said, what if I have a patient in my office that needs laser vascular surgery? And if they don't get this laser vascular surgery, they will die. Do I have a moral and legal obligation to provide them with laser vascular surgery, even if they weren't born here in the United States? And now the students are all nodding their heads. I said, what if I have another patient in my office that needs open heart surgery? And if they don't have open heart surgery, they will die in a matter of weeks. But they also were not born in the United States. Do I have a moral and legal obligation to provide them with access to that open heart surgery? Young man in the back, medical student at UF said, Dr. Lyle, we've been taught that a patient is a person is entitled to respect and bodily integrity. I said, I agree with you. We absolutely need to treat all patients as persons and respect them. One little detail that I left out, when I said that they were not born in the United States, they were not born in the United States yet. And they all said, you said blood transfusion. I said, yeah, I sure did. I said, there is a condition where moms will have antibodies which can cross the placenta and start to attack the baby's blood. Because from the moment of conception, that baby is a different person than the mother. Half the time, it's a different gender, it's a boy. But genetically, this baby is unique from mom, unique from dad, unique from the other 8 billion people on the planet. But when moms have antibodies that cross the placenta and they start to attack the baby's blood cells, the baby's blood count is going to drop. If we don't do something about that, that baby will go into heart failure and that baby will die in the womb. So if you need a blood transfusion, what do we do? We give you a blood transfusion in the emergency room. We can take a syringe and we can take a needle and with ultrasound guidance, guide it through the skin of the mother's belly, guide it through the wall of the uterus, go right past the eyes of the baby and the baby's like, what was that? Go right up to the umbilical cord and we can give that baby a life-saving blood transfusion. And people ask, well, where do you get baby blood? It's not baby blood. It's blood that one of you donated at the Red Cross or at One Blood. If you have O negative blood, we can transfuse that blood into a baby's vascular 
similarity and we can save that baby's life. That is treating your neighbor as yourself. And that is one of the, the greatest commandments. But then the student said, well, OK, blood transfusions. But you said laser vascular surgery. I said, yeah, when we have identical twins that are sharing a placenta. If you have kids, you know, sometimes they don't share everything nicely. But if you have twins that are not sharing nicely in the womb, you need to teach them to share. We had a patient that had identical twin boys. One was really big and about the 99th percentile. The other baby was really scrawny and runty about the second percentile. If we didn't teach them to share, they both were going to die in the womb. We sent them to Texas Children's Hospital in Houston. What do they do? They consult Dr. Luke Skywalker. Why Dr. Luke Skywalker? Because he goes inside of the womb with a camera with a laser and he maps out the vascularity of that placenta and he can see where way too much nutrition is being taken over to the big baby and there's a deficit going to the little baby. He actually can take a laser and just like Luke Skywalker with a lightsaber, he can divide that placenta and say, this is your side of the placenta, this is your side of the placenta. Now you two play nice and we'll deliver you in a couple of months. We sent our patient down there. They were both delivered. So we are teaching babies how to share. And then one of the students said, well, wait a second. You said that uh, like open heart surgery. I said, yeah, let me show you some amazing stats on open heart surgery. We've got new video and we've got some still pictures that I have never shown to anybody else until tonight. And what we are going to show you is open heart surgery. When we look at these babies, this was a baby that was diagnosed at about 25 weeks gestation with a tumor in the heart called a teratoma. And they went over to the uh, Cleveland Clinic for evaluation. The doctors and the team talked to the parents and they said, if we don't do something, this baby will die because this tumor was almost half the size of the baby's heart. The heart's just a pump, and this was interfering with the flow of blood. So they said, we'd like to try to remove this tumor from the baby's heart while the baby is still on the inside. And they said, can you do that? Yes, we can. Well, what they did is amazing. You can see this still picture in there on the inside. That's the baby. And there is a tumor that is on that baby's heart. I'm going to show you an illustration first, and then I'm going to show you some pictures from the actual surgery, which are absolutely amazing. So you see, there is the baby inside of the, um, inside of the womb, and there is this teratoma. That is that white part over to the right. So what they are going to do is they need to remove that teratoma. Mom got an epidural anesthesia for pain management. They made an incision in the mom's skin. They opened up the belly. Then they made an incision in the uterus, kind of like a little mini C-section. And then they brought out the right arm. They brought out the left arm to get access to the baby's chest. But look what they did next. They started an IV in the baby's arm for hydration, anesthesia, and resuscitation. Then they made an incision in the baby's chest. They removed that tumor almost immediately. Blood flow was restored from that baby's heart. They then closed up the baby's chest. They then tucked the arms back on the inside. They removed that IV. They closed up the uterus. And 10 weeks later, they did a C-section and they delivered that healthy baby. If we are doing open heart surgery on babies on the inside, is that a patient? Yeah. And a patient is a person, no matter how small. This is the operative team. There are 12 doctors, nurses, anesthesiologists, and techs that are in this baby surgery. That is healthcare. Abortion is not healthcare. Abortion is taking the life of that baby on the inside. They are saving the life of that baby on the inside. 
Here's another picture. We talked about how the baby had an IV. You've had an IV in your hand before. And you remember how tiny that little catheter was? Well, guess what? Look how tiny that little hand is. Can you see the thumbnail of that baby on the inside? So they've started an IV for pain control, anesthesia, hydration. If you are doing an IV on a baby and you are doing open heart surgery, that is a patient. And if that is a patient, that is a person. But I'm going to show you the baby's other hand. Here the baby is waving goodbye. They're getting ready to close the wall of the uterus there on the inside. They have the closure sutures there. There's the left hand you know, on that side. So when you see that, that is a patient on the inside. Well, what happened after that? They closed the wound up and then they had the mom come back and at 37 weeks gestation, they did a C-section. That baby turned one year of age Wednesday, two days ago, that baby. You wanna see a picture of that baby? That's Rylan. That is Rylan, his date of birth was two days ago, one year ago. That is healthcare. That is treating the preborn as patients because a patient is a person, no matter how small, created in the image of God at the moment of conception. This young man, is that a patient? Sure. How about this young man? He's standing there next to me a couple of years ago over at Georgia Right to Life. Is he a patient? Sure. How about in this image? In this image, that was a baby that had spina bifida that was 25 weeks into his gestation. Spina bifida was corrected surgically on that baby. But let me tell you one thing. The patient on the left, his name is Samuel Armas. That young boy in the middle, his name is Samuel Armas. The baby in the womb is Samuel Armas. You tell me at what point that child became a patient and if they are a patient, they are a person. That is the same individual. <clears throat> Who created life? I mean, I've delivered 4,000 babies. Did I create any of them? Well, I kind of helped out with two of them because I delivered my own daughters, all right? So it was kind of, that's continuity of care from conception to delivery. That's what we're all supposed to do. But when it comes to the babies on the inside, who created that life? God created that life. You look at Genesis 1:26. after creating 200 billion stars in our galaxy and 500 billion galaxies out there, all the fish, birds, mammals, and you know, mountains and rivers, then God said, y'all think that was impressive? Let me show you something really impressive. I am now going to create something in the, my image, in the image of God, and that is all of us. And we are not created the image of God when I'm up there like Johnny Bench and we're delivering the baby. We are created in the image of God at that moment of conception, and that is the truth. But what does science say? Because God is the creator of science, so true science will always defend his pre-born in the womb. What does science say? Well, science agrees with us when it comes to the baby in the womb. Why did I put an American flag there? Has anybody ever seen somebody burn the American flag? Why does somebody burn the American flag? Because they hate the United States and what the United States stands for. The American flag is the image that represents the United States. That is at its core what abortion actually is. The pre-born are created in the image of God. Abortion is an attack against that image of God in the womb and we are here to defend that image of God. When science says, well, when are we born? First, ladies, y'all are so poignant and delicate. When it comes to conception, you make a cyst on your ovary and boop, one little egg comes out. Guys, 
We're not like that. We're more like an episode of Braveheart. We're over here and we are, there are 200, maybe 300 million of us all lined up and, and we're all saying, we're ready for battle. We're ready for the race. It's like, well, what's your name? Hey man, I'm Michael Phelps. Oh, really? what's your name? Man, I'm Michael Phelps too, you know? And they all think they're Michael Phelps and the gun goes off and they start racing and they're all swimming. 200 million of them are swimming. They go through the cervix up to the uterus and then it's like, oh, do I go right? Do I go left? Do we ask directions? No, we don't ask for direction. So half of them go over here and they go, ah, there's no ovary. There's no egg. And so the other one's like, I see the egg. I see the egg. I'm heading this way. And then there's one who's in the lead and he touches the egg. He goes, I win. I get the gold medal. And then all the other ones like, no, no, no. This is not just the race. This is Ninja Warrior. It's not the first to touch the wall. You got to get on the inside too. So now you have thousands of the male cells there on the outside that are all trying to use their enzymes in their heads, trying to get in. One finally gets in and he says, I win gold. And another one says, well, I'm going to go for the silver medal. Guess what? There is no silver and there is no bronze because if more than one sperm gets on the inside, that is not compatible with life. God is the creator of all. When you have this kind of design, there was a designer. So what did God design? When that first sperm gets on the inside and conception has happened, it's kind of like Star Trek. And a shield goes up around that, that egg membrane. And that shield says, no mas, no more. All of the other ones are losers. Go home, you did not win. <laughs> that one sperm that got there on the inside, that one sperm starts to start the miracle of life combines the chromosomes from mom, combines the chromosomes from dad, and we now have conception. Then we have one cell, two, four, eight, 16, 32 cells, until at 10 weeks there are a billion cells on that new person on the inside. But these cells are making identical copies of each other. But then one cell looks at the other and says, you know what, I've got all this DNA, I'm gonna read chapter 22. And then another cell says, fine, I'm gonna read chapter 27. And then chapter 22 says, from here on, I'm going to start the entire circulatory system. And another cell says, fine, I'm going to start the entire skeletal system. And another cell says, you know what? You guys do your thing. I'm going to start the entire neurologic system. They all have the exact same book. How do they know what chapter they are supposed to perform? It is called cell differentiation. We have no idea how it happens. We know I can tell you what's going to happen tomorrow, but how these individual cells know what to do, we have no clue. That is the miracle of life. And that is why we serve a glorious, almighty, powerful creator, God. But science, when that zona pellucida, that shield goes up, can we see when that happens? Yeah, because when that shield goes up, there is a flow of zinc ions, potassium ions in and out. And when you look with the right frequency of light, you can actually see a flash of light at the moment of conception. See those flashes of light? That is the moment of conception. So when somebody says, well, we really don't know when life begins. You got a flash of light. What more do you need than that? It is saying, now we have conception. This is a new person created in the image of God at that moment. It is absolutely amazing. I've delivered 4,000 babies. And we have patients coming into our office every day as a new pregnant patient. When I have a pregnant patient, I have two patients. I have the mom and I have a baby. I've delivered triplets and I have delivered quads. And when they come in, you have five patients. And when you deliver quadruplets, now you feel like a magician. You got the rabbits coming out of the hat. It's one after the other. And it is a ball, you know? I mean, you think, I mean, it's a lot of fun. But when it comes to the preborn in the womb, 
Everybody wants the ultrasound. I mean, they want an ultrasound this visit. They want an ultrasound next visit. In fact, if you come back to our booth, we've got DVDs, brochures, lots of information. You'll get to see this person on the, you know, that is on this ultrasound. That's my oldest daughter, Sydney. This is 24 years ago. She's only about two inches long. She's 12 weeks since conception. There's no Wi-Fi. There's no Bluetooth. So you jump and you slide. You jump and you slide. She could be aborted at any abortion clinic around. That is my daughter, Sydney, just living life. But uh, when it comes to ultrasound technology, it's changed. Cool pictures. Don't you love those portraits? Look at that picture on the baby on the right. That was probably taken, like, remember Olin Mills when we'd all go there and we'd get our pictures taken as a family? And they said, now turn like this and tilt your head. I mean, that's a portrait on the right. The picture on the left, same baby. But it was taken a couple of months earlier with a 3D ultrasound. Still likes to hold its hand there. Patient on the right patient on the left, both created in the image of God at that moment of conception. But now we have new technology. We have MRIs now. Story is that this MRI was taken and the national anthem started to play in the back of the room. So they're doing this MRI on this baby and all of a sudden it's, oh, say, can you see? And this baby's saying, I will not sit. I will not kneel. That is the national anthem. As God is my witness, I will stand. I'm going to get my legs down under me and I am going to push and I'm going to push on the bones here. And as God is my witness, I shall stand. That is not a blob of tissue. You were saying, come on, kid, come on, kid. That is a patient created in the image of God. That is a person. And that is who we are defending in the womb with science and with scripture are our most important tools. You've seen this sign. You've heard this chant. You've seen the posters. My body, my choice. How can that possibly be? From the moment of conception, genetically, that baby is unique from the other 8 billion people on the planet. Half the time, it's a little baby boy. How is every cell in your body XX chromosomes, yet the baby is all XY chromosomes? It is a different gender. It is unique. Your body's an amazing life support system for this baby, but this baby is very unique. That's why we have to do blood transfusions, because they can even have different blood types than the mother there on the inside. We can do a blood test. Remember you used to say gender reveal parties were like the fastest growing type of party going on in the United States and everybody wanted to get that ultrasound, maybe at 18, 20 weeks. Am I, is this a boy or is this a girl? We can do a blood test seven weeks after conception and with 99% accuracy, I can tell you if that's going to be a boy or if that is a girl there on the inside. How? Because little fragments of the baby's DNA cross into the mother's circulation. Well, if 95% of these fragments are the moms and then there are these fragments that are 5% from the baby, how do you know which is which? We have the technology and we can take those 95% fragments and put them over here and that 5% fragments and put them over here and we can tell you if that is a boy growing on the inside or if that is a girl growing on the inside because that is a unique and separate person there on the inside. Now, I know this is Iowa. But in Florida, we have a problem with narcotics. And out here in Iowa, y'all don't have any problem with narcotics, right? No, of course you do. This is a curse that is spreading across the country. For the first time in 2020, we had over 100,000 people die of an overdose death. Most were, most were with narcotics and most were with fentanyl. But do we have an antidote when we have the time to intervene? Yeah, we have an antidote called Narcan. Narcan is the antidote that reverses the effect of a narcotic overdose on a patient. But we have another curse that's spreading on the, around the country. Prior to COVID, 39% of all the abortions in the United States were performed with the abortion pill. Now. 
54% of all the abortions in the United States are performed with the abortion pill. Some countries in the EU, 85% of the babies are killed with the abortion pill. We got to start with definitions. Is the abortion pill another word for the morning after pill? Absolutely not. They are completely different. The morning after pill is indicated for the morning after. The abortion pill is indicated for 70 mornings after. It is 10 weeks gestation. It is 98% effective in killing that baby. And Sydney was only 12 weeks when you saw her jumping and sliding on the inside. 98% of the time, it will kill that baby on the inside. Well, we have an antidote for the abortion pill, and we're going to talk about that when it comes to how does the abortion pill work? Well, there's an amazing hormone right after conception. Progesterone starts flowing. Progesterone. What is that? Pro gestational steroid hormone. This is the hormone that keeps the pregnancy going. We're not going to have a menstrual cycle. We're going to relax the uterus. We're going to send more blood supply to the baby. We're going to grow this baby. Hallelujah. We're pregnant. The abortion pill blocks that hormone progesterone. Well, when the hormone that is the conductor or the coach of this pregnancy is blocked, all of the, the sustenance, the nutrients are going to be withdrawn. The placenta is attached to the mom and everything the baby needs comes from that junction with the placenta to the lining of the uterus. That starts to peel away and that baby will die. However, if the mom has regrets and she contacts us within time, we can supplement her with progesterone. She had a growing, rising level of progesterone. She took the abortion pill. It starts to plummet and drop. And as long as there is still some progesterone and then we replace it, we can save the life of the baby. If we can replace that progesterone within 72 hours, 70% of the time, we can safely save the life of that baby. And it's a red light or green light. There's not going to be, well, you got a heartbeat, but we're missing an arm. No. You either are successful or you're not successful. We have have a team of 500 doctors around the country. I've attempted reversal 16 times. I've been successful 12 of those times that we've been successful. It is absolutely an amazing ministry. This is, you know, so is there an antidote? There sure is. And the website is called uh, abortionpillreversal.com. This is a picture of me with one of the first babies that I was able to be involved with in an abortion pill reversal. You know, this mom was pressured. She took the abortion pill and she actually drove all the way from where she lived in Destin all the way to Jacksonville, Florida to get it. That's almost four hours away. She took the pill. She signed the consent. She swiped her credit card. And then she comes back and she's heading on I-10, heading west, heading back to Destin. She sees a billboard. The billboard says heartbeat at 18 days. She drives along. She's still on I-10 heading west. She sees another billboard. Your mom chose life. You should too. Two different groups who were told by the Holy Spirit to put up a billboard. Well, guess what? That convict, convicted her enough. She took the next exit and she starts Googling and she found our website. She spoke with a nurse up in Columbus, Ohio. Nurse took the information, gave me a call. I called her, got the information, said, is this your pharmacy number in Destin? She goes, yeah, that's it. I said, you keep driving. I'm going to have it there waiting for you. My wife and I pay for all the reversals that we're involved with. So there's no delay. She took those pills and then she uh, contacted us in our office a week later. We did an ultrasound, 98% chance we're not going to have a heartbeat on that baby. Guess what? We did that ultrasound. We had a heartbeat. That is that baby right there. So that baby had a 98% chance that that baby was heading to death. We invested $109 to buy back the life of that baby. What does that word in, in the Bible mean? 100% of all of us were heading to death, eternal separation from God, 
Yet are we redeemed with $109 worth of progesterone? No, we're redeemed with the blood of Christ. This is the best example that I can give of what the word redemption means. We speak at churches all over the country and people come up and they'll say, oh my gosh, we sing about redeemed. I sing it all the time, redeemed, how I love to proclaim. She goes, I understand what redeemed really means. It was always a good thing, but now I understand it. We're redeeming those lives of these babies. So is it a choice? I mean, choices, coffee, tea, Coke, Pepsi. This is the greatest spiritual battle of our lives, my friends. And if we don't use spiritual tools, we are not going to be successful in this spiritual battle. Jeremiah 1.5, before I formed thee in the belly, this is God talking to Jeremiah. He says, I knew thee before you came forth out of the womb. I sanctified thee. I set you apart and I ordained thee to be a prophet unto the nations. God knew who all of us were. He knew how we could serve his kingdom while we were still there in the womb. Psalm 139, you formed my inmost being. The David is saying he didn't understand about cell differentiation. He said, man, that was a night of romance. And all of a sudden a baby came out nine months later. But the psalmist is saying, you form my inmost being. You knit me in my mother's womb. I praise you so wonderfully you made me. Romans 5, 8. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Jesus died for us. All right. A couple thousand people here. Anybody else a sinner? Or is it just me? You know, oh, we, got, we got one in the, in the third row. All right. So God loved us all enough that he sent his son. He lived a perfect life. He gave his life for us on the cross. He was dead, dead, dead for three days. Then he conquered death and he rose again. And if we put our trust in him, we too can have eternal life. But when were you a sinner? Well, we got to go back and we have to look at Psalm 51, 5. Surely I was sinful at birth. I was sinful from the time my mother conceived me. We aren't born with the sin nature. We are conceived with the sin nature. So if God would love the pre-born enough that he would send his son to live a perfect life, die on the cross and then conquer death, then the least we can do is defend those same pre-born that he loved because they were sinners in the womb. This is a sign over on Pensacola Beach. It's turtle season. And when you head over to Pensacola Beach, every turtle nest that gets laid, there are three fences around it. And they put up these signs. They say, do not disturb. If you disturb a pre-born sea turtle on Pensacola Beach, you can be fined $100,000 and you can spend one year in jail. You cross the three-mile bridge into Pensacola and you can legally abort a pre-born baby up to 24 weeks gestation. How do we have protection for sea turtles that are buried in the sand, but we don't have the same protection for babies in the womb? And if you can see in the front row, there is state law and there is federal law. The federal law that protects the pre-born sea turtles is the U.S. Endangered Species Act. Guess when that was passed, 1973. So on one side, Congress is passing the U.S. Endangered Species Act. On the other side, you have the U.S. Supreme Court saying, we're not going to give that same level of protection to a baby in the womb. Was that wrong? Yes. Was Dred Scott wrong? Yes. Has this been reversed, thank God? Yes, we have now seen the end of Roe versus Wade and we will not have our attention on the US Supreme Court. Now our attention is gonna be all the individual states in our courts, our legislators, our Senate, our governors. Can we win? Yes, we can win this battle. Why are we here? With the 2,000 people that are here, this is a core group from around the country that could change the direction of where this country goes for the rest of our lives. We are not just fighting for the pre-born. We're not just fighting for who we are. We are fighting for a country that our children and our grandchildren will inherit and they will be able to live. So why are we here? Well, let's go to the book of Esther. You want to hear my Mordecai impersonation? I grew up in Cherry Hill. I've known enough rabbis. Mordecai, when Esther has looked at this position, Mordecai goes to Esther and he goes, ah, but that you have come 
to your royal position for such a time as this. That's why we are here. We are here to serve our Lord, serve his kingdom, and we are here to unite. And we are going to send this message from our churches and we are going to be victorious. Where are you on this map? Well, there are 200 billion stars in our galaxy and that's where we are. Can we win? We serve the God who created all that. We pray to that God and he answers and responds to our prayers. So yes, we can win this battle. Well, how do we win this battle? I mean, what is the way that we can win this battle? I mean, how do we let people know what the truth is? I mean, how do we get people to respect life in the womb? Did you catch those words? Way, truth, life. When you hear way, truth, life, who do you think of? You think of Jesus. And John, when he says, I am the way, the truth, the life, the way we win this battle is with Jesus. The answer is the gospel. It is the gospel that changes hearts. It is the gospel that changes minds. It is the gospel that changes behavior. And it is with the power of the gospel that we will defend the lives of God's preborn and we will heal this land. God bless you all and thank you very much. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you so much for what we've seen here this morning. Again, we thank you for your word, that Lord, your word is truth. And Father, we thank you that you are the creator, the sustainer, the giver of life. Father, we thank you, Lord, that each person has been created in your image. And that, Father, every person, both the born and the unborn, matter to you. And God, because they matter to you, it should matter to us. So Father, we thank you, Lord, for this church. We thank you for people uh, in this church, Lord, who have really worked and really fought to help preserve the unborn, to fight for the unborn, to support the uh, mothers of those who are uh, contemplating uh, abortion, but have chosen life, Father. We thank you for uh, ministries like the Caring Pregnancy Center. And Father, we just pray, Lord, that you would continue to embolden us, give us courage to stand for life, both the born and the unborn. Father, we also pray for our legislator. We pray for our governor, Father. We pray that you would lead them to do the right thing, to do the honorable thing, to be obedient to your word, that, Father, that they would pass laws and legislations that would protect and promote uh, the sanctity of human life. And so, Father, we just pray as they're meeting even now in Des Moines, Father, that you would, again, just give them the boldness and the courage to pass laws that would protect the unborn. And Father, we pray, Lord, that as a church that we would continue uh, to do all that we can do to fight for and to protect the unborn. And Father, again, we just uh, thank you for your word. We thank you again for science that backs up and validates your word. We thank you for doctors like this, Lord, uh, who are courageous to go out and to speak on a very difficult, a very controversial topic, and yet to be able to do it with such conviction and passion and precision and wisdom, Father. So we just pray that you would raise up more and more voices like this, Lord. That as we continue to fight this battle, Lord, that, that you would use people and, and presentations like this to change hearts. And Father, again, we thank you 
for this opportunity uh, this morning to see this, Lord. I pray that it would impact our hearts, our thoughts, our choices. And Father, we just again thank you for the life that you have given to us, Lord. And that we would use this, Lord, again, that we would use our life uh, in, in ways that would help to uh, promote and to fight for the unborn. And again, we just thank you for this opportunity to be together here uh, this morning. And we just thank you for all of this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more information about Praise Community Church, including gathering times and events, please visit us at praisecc.org.